Hey Rebel Parents, welcome to another episode of Rebel Parenting. I am excited for today's program because it's going to build community in our neighborhoods, churches, and all around us. We're going to share the love today with a great author, Sarah Perry. She has a book called Mommy Needs a Raise Because Quitting's Not an Option. And the reason we're having her on today is because of an experience I had at the supermarket a little while ago. It has dawned on me there are a lot of people that shop very late at night that do so because they don't want to be seen during the day. These are the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the people that just feel so bad about themselves, they're shopping at 11, 12 o'clock at night because they don't want to be seen during the day. And it was uh, late one night when I was shopping and there was a dad of a little girl that just was shrieking and screaming all throughout the supermarket. and. You know, I could hear her from eight aisles away, and my first thought was, hey, Dad, you know, settle that kid down a little bit. And that's when it hit me. He's here late at night because she can't help it. This is a kid with special needs, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I know this dad needs a friend. He needs someone to reach out, give him a knowing look, a smile, something. But what do we do? Anybody else feel awkward in that situation besides me? I know all you do, too, and that's why... <clears throat> That's why we have Sarah Perry on the program today to talk about this difficult subject so we can spread more love in our community. Thank you for joining us today, and thanks for tackling this subject with us right here on Rebel Parenting. Sarah, we are so excited to have you on the broadcast today. This is such a needed topic, and you are the perfect person to dive into this messy subject together. So thanks for being on us on the Rebel Parenting today. Thanks for having me, you guys. Sarah, um, my goodness, we've been going through your book and uh, reading so many things. I have so many questions I want to ask. And I really do appreciate, first of all, you being vulnerable about this. This is your private life. This is your kids. All of us as parents are protective. We want to protect our kids and shelter them from bullying and meanness and name calling. And you're really diving into... Um, kind of a messy subject because life is messy uh, with special needs kids and autism and all the things that are going on today. This book, Mommy Needs a Raise, because quitting's not an option. We love it. It is, I keep using breath of fresh air too much, but it's just, uh, you feel like, you know, I can let, I don't have any hair to let down. If I had hair to let down, I could let it down in front of you and we could just have, because I said this to you before the program, what we want to talk about is we have friends with special needs kids. We have friends with, with kids on the autism spectrum. I just don't know what to say. I feel awkward. I want to reach out. I don't quite know what to say. I see you at church. I see you in the supermarket. I see you in our neighborhood. And we just want to build a better community without hurting people's feelings and just join into this messy life together. So once again, thank you for coming on the broadcast. Oh, I can't wait to talk with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Let's go back. Uh, you know, there was a phrase in your book that really stood out, and you talked about a life lived whimsically, that you would ride the subway to work in the morning and just think about what a, you know, it was just this easy flowing life. You've got a career and all these things going on. Talk about that life and then moving into mommyhood, and then then we'll jump into special needs. I mean, it's yeah. so much in there. So the easiest way to find out that you are a control freak is to have children. Because <laughs> before I was married and before I had kids of my own, 
I lived a very orderly, very deliberate, um, I would say borderline OCD existence, you know, always clean condo and up before the crack of dawn and punctual to work and an organized desk. And I'm the oldest of four kids. If you believe in, you know, the psychology of birth order, I was a Mm. typical firstborn type A and graduated early from college, went to law school and sort of did everything in the right order and the right way. And then I had kids and God said, hey, guess what? All of that stuff that you think is really important and essential to living a happy life, I'm going to take it all away from you, and we're going to see what your relationship with me is really like. So I had, in fact, married a man who was sort of a harbinger of things to come because people look at the two of us, and it is one of those true opposites attract relationships. We just celebrated our 15 years uh, anniversary. Congratulations. And uh, thank you. Thank you. No small feat. Let me tell you. (laughs) Those who are married will face trouble. Yes. Yes, they will. You know, like the first 15 minutes, you're like, this is super easy. And then you're about a decade into it. You go, man, nobody told you how hard this was going to be totally. yeah so yeah yeah no one told me i was this selfish come on now well let me tell you you put two sinners together yeah. in a closed <laughs> space where neither one of them is given an opportunity to just go man i quit i'm just gonna say forget the promises i made to you and god i'm out the door yeah. if you're really a believer in the sanctity of what you promise to the lord and each other you can go to your separate areas of the corral, but you're not allowed to jump the fence. Yeah. And it's not that easy. So we have a relationship that's very unique. So he was the guy who drove the pickup truck. And I drove, you know, like the sporty little Toyota. And he was the guy who left his stuff everywhere. And I was like the person leaving vacuum lines in the carpeting. And I had all the closets arranged by like colors. And, you know, he told me once... Yeah, I don't think I wash my sheets for like months at a time. Like uh, I always, my mom do my laundry. I yeah. mean, just I'm thinking, well, you know, now you know why you get sick because I'm clean and I'm the one who maintains order in the house. So I, I grew up with I, a friend who who washed his sheets uh, once a year. He had a spring summer set of sheets and a winter fall sh- set of sheets, and they got washed before he put them on the bed. And then six months later, he'd take them off. Oh and then, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's got to be a male thing because so I, I don't understand that. It yeah. really, I think you guys really have a tolerance for things that we don't. You know, God maybe hardwires a little more of the dirt organic yeah. stuff yeah. into your chemistry. Who knows? But we are the two people you would never look at and go, oh, sure, I could see them together. In fact, when I married him, he didn't even have a college degree. And that's sort of a, a corollary to our story because education had been. As you can imagine, as somebody who is a lawyer, it was always very important Mm -hmm. to me. And my mom said something really brilliant to me when I was kind of in that phase where we had started dating. And that that was, I thought, an impediment to moving forward. She said, what are you more concerned with, the condition of his heart or the condition of his head? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, that's it. He has a heart. And to this day, I say to him, the pureness and the bigness of your heart is what made me fall in love with you. And it's why I still love him today. But let me tell you, the Lord went, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put this person in your life and he's going to be number one. And then there are going to be three more little people and they're going to start to pull the seams of this entire tapestry you've, you've woven of order and 
direction and planning and everything is just going to fall apart. So the two phases of my life really could not have been more different, which was what prompted me to write the book, Mommy Needs a Raise. And the moms who have worked before having kids mm. will recognize, man, there is nothing like it. And, and I would take the bar exam in a minute flat again if I had a negotiation with the Lord over workload. Like if he was like, I'm going to give you 25% less work, but you got to sit through 16 repeated hours of the bar exam, I'd be like, done. Yeah, I, I will go back to my study closet right now and I'll do it again. So it was really a, a, a bit of an awakening. So when you started to write the book, how'd you? Where, where did you find your inspiration? I think it was probably in the day I decided, um, in keeping with my personality, to clean out one of my closets where I had some of my diplomas stored. Yeah. And I went through and I looked at my certificates. And, you know, I'm looking at this one and it shows me barred in the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. And I'm going, man, that was a lifetime ago. Yeah. So I yeah. really thought, gosh, what... What an evolution this has been. What a journey it's been on. And I, I really thought to myself, you know, the way that women in particular live their life in phases and how we really are sort of relational creatures. And I had this sort of unique perspective having worked very hard for this, you know, these degrees and out of the workforce to suddenly stay home with these kids and go, okay, well, I am not defined by what I do. I am not telling people that I'm a lawyer anymore. Is the work that I'm doing of value to me? I knew it was a value to them. I knew it was a value in God's eyes, but for my own sort of self-recognition and my own journey, I went, gosh, this is so different and there are no rules and there are no instructions and I have no boss and now I have to create something out of nothing and what if I mess up because the yeah. stakes are high. I didn't really know where I would find the direction to do that. I found every day, particularly when my kids sort of manifested to be sort of more than the average kid, you know, that, that was a package right, that came with right. some extras. I went, oh man, there's no rule book for this. You know, you don't have a sit down with your HR department going, okay, here's your employee handbook. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's what we're going to do. You clock in at like 6.30 in the morning and then you're going to be like off at six o'clock when your husband comes home. I, I had to create something out of nothing. And for the first time I went, oh man, if I screw up here, this could be this could be a series of huge mistakes because you realize what you're doing, the compensation, and it really is payment in so many ways. And I talk about this in the, in the book too, but part of that compensation is watching the blessing of watching these little people grow up into their own independent, functioning, thoughtful, loving, caring people. And really, you've got so much on the line that it was very high stakes for me. I felt more pressure as a mom mm. than I did as an attorney, which for is sure. so funny because you think, oh, gosh, if I lose a case, I could lose my job. Well, I would think to myself, gosh, if I make a mistake, you know, what if they turn out and I may as well just be prepaying for therapy because they're going to yeah. have to go anyway. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's interesting you say that there really is no manual. When Lincoln was born, I mean, we were thrilled. We were just through the moon, and he had colic when he was a baby. Well, 
I didn't know what colic was. And then my parents started laughing saying, oh, you are colicky. Wait till you get this, you know, and the doctor said, oh, three or four months, you know, this, this will be over. And he was colicky for seven months. And I mean, there was a period (laughs) in the middle of it. I had lost so much sleep. I remember thinking, you know, I really can't do this. I got to call my parents. Um, I, I, I've bitten off more than I can chew. I can't do this. We need an intervention. <laughs> and I was getting ready to call my parents, and the other side of my brain went, hey, man, what do you think they're going to say? Oh, yeah, just bring over Link and drop him off. We'll raise him for you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what my brain was thinking. And then I just looked at him, and I was like, oh. And that's where that subtitle, quitting isn't an option. You're a parent. And... You know, there have been times in life where I see, you know, uh, Ryan Phelps when he, you know, smoked pot or Miley Cyrus when she did, you know, those things. I get that. I get those meltdowns. I get the breakdown. I get, you know, telling the whole world I'm not this thing you think I am. I don't understand it as much when you see the Britney Spears having the meltdown, shaving her head because she has kids. And I look at that and I think, oh, you don't get to do that. You have children. And Right. You know, your decisions have consequences now, real life lasting consequences. That's right. And you've got a section in the book. I've seen the T-shirt. I think it's funny. And being a parent and taking parenting so seriously, it does drive me a little bit crazy. And it's when I see a parent wearing it, it's the I can't adult today T-shirt. Yes. I'm like, oh, "Oh, but if you're if you're if you're single and adult, great. You don't have to adult today. If you're married with no kids, I guess you don't have to adult today. If you've got kids, you're going to be the adult today. You are. Because that's, no one that's else is going to be the adult for them except you. The buck stops with you. It's yeah. really, and it was very interesting because I kind of dabbled in a, a few different um, related career. So I taught uh, as an adjunct professor of business ethics because I thought, oh, teaching, you know, that would be fun. I had some friends who went into academics with their degrees and I was like, no, that's not for me. And I was in litigation for a while and spent a lot of time in court and writing very boring briefs filled with a lot of Latin. And I was like, well, you know, I like it, but I'm not super excited. And then I went uh, in-house at an advertising agency, meaning I managed all of their contracts and wrote their licenses and sort of developed all their new business strategies. And that's where sort of things stopped before I got pregnant with Noah. And I had the opportunity to dabble, which is, you know, something that we get a chance to do before everything is really on the line. And and motherhood and parenthood is really one of those things where you take step one and you don't stop being a parent until the day you die. Mm. There is never a change of career. There is never an alteration of responsibility. You will always be at a point in your life where you will be thinking about the welfare of your kids, even if you're 95 and your kids are 60 and they're retiring on their own. That doesn't ever stop. So it's it is a profession in the sense that it, it is a daily investment of effort. And there are forms of compensation, which I talk about in the book. And that was really something that surprised me is where to really look for these payments, this value. And God was sort of giving them to me in surprising ways, but also the nature of it as being not just the hardest job in the world, but really the most valuable job because you're creating a legacy. You don't recognize traditional benefits of employment, but what you do is you recognize that benefit of really having left a mark on eternity. And if your kids make a decision for Jesus on their own, 
oh my gosh, knowing that that is something Mm -hmm. that you'll leave behind, kids that love God and want to share God with other people and continue that heritage. I mean, there's nothing like it. That's the best payment that any parent could ever ask for. What would you say to a mom who's maybe listening, who's thinking, who's on the fence? Should I work? Should I stay at home? I mean, you've kind of walked through this journey. You're on on the other side. But say to a new mom, what would you suggest or what would be your advice? You know, it's very interesting because for me, the choice was a difficult one to make because I'm still paying off student Student debt. You know, I'm not going to. Yes. Oh, man, let me tell you. And I I brought that on myself. You know, you get certain degrees and certain degrees are expensive because those degrees are anticipated to bring in a lot of money. Well, they are not built in and titrated for people who decide to stay home with their children. Unfortunately, you know, there should be like a clause or a rider that says, (laughs) you know, for that like 10 years, you're home with kids. Yeah. Right. We're just going to give you a discount and we'll give you another discount for subsequent kids that you have. But I would say, first of all, it's okay to struggle. I don't think that's evidence of sin Mm. in a future mom's life. I don't think it is evidence of the fact that she doesn't have her priorities right. I think it's okay. I think moms that are out there previously who have worked in the workforce, who have spent time making money, feeling that they are contributing to the bottom line of their family, seeing productivity in one way. Mm. It's okay to go, okay, now I'm going to be productive, but in a totally different way. And some days, maybe I don't get out of my pajamas. Like, is that, is that okay to do? It's first of all, I would say it's it's a struggle. That's exactly it. But I would also say that there are some moms who don't have the benefit of staying home to work. I know my sister-in-law, for example, and she and I are extremely close. She really wanted to, but, you know, she lives in California. They have three daughters. It's very tricky for her to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do this because we can just make, you know, this $50,000 change in yeah. our standard of living where California is so expensive, yeah. but that's, you know, that's a sacrifice that she had to make. So for the moms who are struggling with the decision, and it sounds so glib, but we, we know the depth of a relationship yeah. with Jesus is that he understands our struggles even before we are articulate them Mm -hmm. and particularly in these high stakes decisions like motherhood and what we do none of this is foreign to him he is so intimately aware and these are such huge blessings if god blesses us you know the bible talks about children being like arrows in a quiver and how blessed we are if the lord chooses to bring them to us whether that's through adoption or whether it's through natural birth he understands the nature of that struggle and he also understands that our struggling is really a desire to do well on both accounts Mm. to either help our family financially or to help our family emotionally and parentally so i would say it's okay to struggle and i would say asking the lord to guide your heart and direct your heart Mm -hmm. for me when i had made the decision even though i struggled with it my husband and I really had peace and really that was, that was God authored peace that we were making the right decision. And now I look back and I think, man, I had no idea I would have two (laughs) kids on the autism spectrum. And it was critical for me to be home with them because I was there to be able to say, 
you know, I see them every day and I go to play group and something's going on here. And that, that proved so beneficial, but I could never have seen it coming if I had been gone during those many hours of the day. So I would say, know that it's okay to struggle. It doesn't say anything about your character. And then I would say, the Lord understands your particular circumstances. He's intimately acquainted with your struggles. And he is always available to guide you and direct you. And he will provide you wisdom. And the Bible, it reminds us of exactly that. And in a way, you're saying to women... If you're thinking about going into college and thinking about getting a degree, there are things you should think about on down the line that maybe you're not thinking about at 18, 19, choosing a, a degree that does have a big nut at the end that you've got to pay off yes. that you do have to stay in the workforce. If you don't, you know, you've got that student loan for a long time. And I mean, that's a big one today. We're talking with other people about that. Is college the right option for everyone? And, and where do you go and how much do you spend and how much debt do you incur? Those are big questions. Well, and you know what? I was very fortunate. And I, I, my story is not so unique in terms of the other mothers that I know that are in my circle of influence here. We have found, and I have found personally in my own life, and I know that you two know this as well, God doesn't waste anything. So if you have spent that time in college or in graduate school or you, you've learned particular lessons or you have particular work histories, the Lord is so good about going, well, I'm not going to send you through all of that and be like, well, that was a waste. We're just going to flush that and start over from scratch. Right. Yeah. Right. I have been able to really, my, my heart was always in writing and being able, ironically, as a litigator, you think, oh, it's all Perry Mason, but a lot of it is really boring writing. But my heart was really to communicate through words. And I found that the Lord gave me these stories about my children and answered all of that training in those degrees to say, guess what? All of the stuff that you're going to write about is right underneath your nose. Never could have anticipated that coming. And now I really have um, an additional benefit. I'm able to consult for some Christian nonprofits in Washington, D.C. and help with some of their uh, pro family policies, which is fabulous. So I'm using my legal degree in addition to writing about my family. So it's like God went here. I'm just going to put this whole package yeah. together. I'm going to tie it up with a bow. And then there, it's yours. Once the kids are all in school and your youngest is almost eight, you're going to have this time during the day to do what I have trained you to do and mm -hmm. called you to do. And it's it's been fabulous. The Lord's so good about not wasting any of our experiences. I loved how you talked earlier about the struggle, that it's okay to have the struggle. Um, you talked a tiny bit in your book about how to support other women. And you kind of made a crack about Pinterest and things like that. I would love for you as we yes. finish up this talk, just to just to encourage other moms out there. Could you share a little bit about that? Yes, I, I would love it. And you know, there's we hear a lot about these mommy wars, okay? So yeah. it's it's sort of a viral ph phenomenon, and we've seen blog posts on it and articles on it, and, you know, it's all over the web, and it's on TV and radio. And I find it to be no less the case in the church, mm. Big C, oh, yeah. than um, outside the church. And I, one would think that knowing better, right, and understanding yeah. the higher truth of God calling us to live in community with one another and sacrificing ourselves for the, the benefit of other people would make us go, oh, man, I see you in your struggles. And yet, and yet, yeah. we mothers find ourselves falling into that trap of competitive 
perfection all the time. And let me tell you, I have not talked to a single mom who does not struggle with it. I know moms who try to be the skinniest. I know other moms who try to have the most perfect house. I know other moms who try to have the most well-behaved children. Uh, I know moms who want the best car or the biggest handbag. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is no less a phenomenon for us. So I, I talk in the book about how hard this job is, how good, but also how hard and how in the midst of all of it, the last thing all of us who are working at this very hard, very important job need is to be mean to one another. In fact, if there's anyone who gets it, I mean, when I show up in yoga pants with, you know, a dirty ponytail and no makeup because I've forgotten my daughter has, you know, her Bible club after school, I want the other moms to not knowingly be like, thumbs up, sister. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't want anybody looking down the nose of their designer glasses going, wow, I see you couldn't get it together today, Sarah. So I think we really... We need to, as a church, and particularly as a body of women, I think we really need to come together. We, we need to realize the value of what we're doing. And that value requires a lot of sacrifices. And some of it, it's, it's cleanliness. Some of it is free time. Some of it is money. Mm-hmm. This job requires more sacrifices than any other job we will ever hold. And Occasionally, those sacrifices will be evident on our person and in our lives. And I'm to the point where I'm okay with that. You know, you will walk into my house and there will be dust bunnies of dog hair and the boy's socks will be piled in the corner. And if I do another load of laundry today, that will put me at five for the day. Okay. So I, I, let me tell you, I'm, I'm to the point where they pull clean laundry off the baskets on the dining room table because it's the one that space in the house. So I think we really should recognize the importance of this job, Mm -hmm. the importance of the sacrifices and what it means to love each other as Christ loves us. And that's despite our flaws and because of our flaws. We are called to be perfect. Our brokenness is part of why he seeks us out. Uh, It's perfect. It's a great ending to this program. Sarah, there's a couple more questions I want to ask, but we're out of time for today. Can you stick around just for a little bit, answer a couple more questions? I sure can. Thanks for being on today. We totally appreciate it. Thanks for having me, you guys. Uh, Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that program. I hope it's given you some tools and just some insight on what it's like to have a special needs kid and how to reach out to those around us. If you need a counselor, if you need some help in your own area, in your life, we have counselors for you. Head to our website, rebelparenting.org. Click on the link on the right-hand side for a counselor. Sign up for the newsletter. We'll be sending them out soon. Thanks for listening. Again, thanks for sharing this with your friends. We appreciate it. We're getting some great feedback. We are blown away by it. It just thrills us to be a part of this community. God bless, and we'll see you next week.